This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. The hope for all followers of Jesus is that one day we will pass from this life into the next, and this new life will be in a place called heaven, a place that Jesus has been preparing for us for a long, long time. Today, Pastor Ryan Bibb, Pastor Josh Herma, myself, Pastor JB, will be talking about the reality of heaven. Here's Ryan, Josh, myself, with today's edition of Radiant Reflections. Welcome back to another episode of Radio Reflections. My name is Josh Herma, one of your hosts, joined once again by Pastor Ryan Bibb. Good morning. Uh, Evening. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, time. whatever time it is, you are you know, partaking of this podcast. Good that time of day to you. We're joined once again by our producer and co-host, Pastor Josh Brown. Happy to be here. Right on. <laughs> and we are continuing our conversation about death and dying. In this episode, we talk about uh, what we will call, and, and if you're offended by this, uh, I'm, I'm, I am slightly <coughs> sorry. It's not, it's not our goal to, to offend people. But we'll call these bad ideas uh, about the afterlife. Bad ideas, however, I know some audience, um, whether you're watching or listening, will hold on to these. Right, and that's what because I say. Like, it's not, it's some, not, I don't say that because I'm, I'm trying to like tick people off. Um, right, but some will probably hold on just some of the theology that maybe perhaps what denomination you grow up in or, you know, Catholic versus Protestant. I don't like verses because I shouldn't say that. Catholic or Protestant, depending on also what you grew up in, um, is holding on to this view as well. Yeah, and, and, and I, will, I will say this, like, I, I come from a specific background, right? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. You know, the first thing that we're talking about here uh, is purgatory, right? I did not grow up in the Catholic Church. Uh, I, I tried to do a little bit of digging, you know, into Catholicism. Uh, but I mean, I'm sure there are, there are people that have a much better understanding of the, the Catholic position than what I have. Uh, and I invite your feedback uh, and input uh, if you listen to this and you're like, holy cow, you are so wrong, it's, it's not even funny. Um, I would love to uh, hear from you. You can email us, podcast at theradiantlife.church. Uh, but Ryan, let's, let's jump into this a little bit. Because like you said, you know, and, and one of the reasons why you know, I did want to address this in here is we do have a you know, pretty robust Catholic population in our area. Mm -hmm. uh, and this would be kind of standard issue you know, for them. What are, what are some things, uh, what, if, for those that are listening, like, what in the world is purgatory? What is purgatory? Well, purgatory is this idea that there's almost like, here's my terms. My terms, it's a holding cell prior to heaven. So when someone passes away, they don't go straight into heaven at the pearly gates. They are put into what is known as this holding place, so to speak, is purgatory. They're, they are there prior to entering heaven. Come. So this is one, you know, we <clears throat> referenced in the last episode. When we, episode? Yeah, you totally said that. Yeah, I said that one wrong. Uh, the last episode about hell, uh, we referenced this book, Four Views on Hell, uh, edited by uh, Gundry and Sprinkle. And the fourth view that we didn't talk about uh, in that episode was this idea of, of hell and purgatory. 
um, kind of the combo, which is it's kind of a weird thing to actually have in this book because it, it, is. it isn't really connected. It's not really a view on hell per se. Right. And it, it is a view of you're not quite good enough into heaven. However, you're not going to hell. That's why it was thrown in the book. Right. And and the interesting thing in in uh, in here is it's written by a guy. I think uh, Jerry Walls mm -hmm. was the name of the gentleman who wrote the the case for purgatory. He is a Protestant. Right? So he actually comes at this uh, and, and really, rather than trying to present a view on hell, is trying to present the idea that as a Protestant, you, you, can, you can mesh Protestantism and a view on purgatory if you do it right. And I say if you do it right, because you know, in, in, in his uh, argument, He's, he teases out two different views on, on what purgatory is for. And he makes the case, and this is where, again, if you're, if you're a Catholic priest or something, and, and you're like, you guys, that's total misrepresentation, uh, please, please uh, let us know. But so, so Walls makes the case that the Roman Catholic view of purgatory has elements of satisfaction and sanctification. Satisfaction meaning uh, when, when you die, you spend time in purgatory and purgatory has a punitive function to, well, hey, you have to make satisfaction for your sins. You haven't had the opportunity to make penance yet, so you have to, in a sense, pay the price for those sins. So that's satisfaction. Sanctification would be the, the idea of you have to be made holy. Um, you know, they reference verses, um, let me look here. Uh, uh, Habakkuk uh, 1.13 says, God, you are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wrong. Right? So, so they would take things like that and say, well, like if we aren't entirely sanctified when we die, well, then we have to spend some time getting more sanctified before we can actually enter into the presence of God. Uh, Walls, in this book, Four Views on Hell, he, he argues that a sanctification view of purgatory... It's actually Robin Parr, Perry. Oh, he, Perry is the one who does Perry. that? Okay, no, I am. no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. No, you are See, wrong. He was, right. he was the universal. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm okay. sorry. I'm going to hush and let you go. That's sorry. all right. <laughs> You're right. Harry Walls is the one that holds this view. So he argues that you can take a sanctification view of purgatory and still be within the, the, the boundaries of Protestantism. Uh, one, because one of the objections, obviously, well, not obviously. If it was obvious, we wouldn't be talking about it. Uh, one of the objections to the satisfaction view of purgatory is that it, in a sense, maybe not in a sense, but essentially denies the gospel, right? When we talk about what Jesus has done, it's Jesus has made satisfaction for our sins. That's it, done, like over. You know, th there isn't any more that has to be paid. Uh, so, so to say that there's a satisfaction element to purgatory is to reject the completed work of Jesus on the cross. All right, I just talked for a long time. Jump in there. <laughs> no, this is uh, the idea of purgatory even like the author says it, is um, the idea is all the souls that go to purgatory are bound for heaven. Sooner or later, right. they will be in heaven. 
However, there must be, if you will, a cleansing or a purification process before entering the God of holiness, eternal glory. That's why it's this, if you will, a holding place for purification, for full sanctification to take place. So those that hold a purgatory view still believe in a literal heaven or hell. Right. There's just that one stepping place before that soul enters into heaven, right. which and, is and, and if you're purgatory. in purgatory, you're not, it's not like a purgatory, you know, and if you don't make the cut, you end up in hell. No, I mean, like you said. Like, I mean, you're, you are heaven bound according to, you know, the way this is. And there is. has been abuses of the purgatory view in, in church history. If you say enough, does, do enough penance, say enough prayers or whatever, you can get your loved one sanctified faster, purified faster, and out of purgatory into heaven quicker if you do these certain things. Which was one of the, you know, huge things you think about Martin Luther and the Reformation. Um, I mean... The abuses of this were, were some of what he was railing against. You know, you had Tetzel, who was selling indulgences. They're selling, selling they're, they're basically <clears throat> fundraising by, by leveraging the fact that, oh, like, you know, grandma's in purgatory, but if you drop a few bucks, we'll get her out a little quicker. Yeah. <laughs> in a sense, purgatory kind of holds to this view of you're not bad enough for hell, but you're not good enough for heaven yet. Mm. So we're going to keep you in purgatory, this holding place, sanctify you, purify you to get into the holiness, enter into all glory with God. I mean, here's some other verses they use um, for those that hold this view. Second Maccabees 12, which in our Protestant Bible, that is not considered part of the canon. Right, we, don't, we don't consider that inspired um, scripture. That is <laughs> in the Catholic Bible, but you're right. Protestants don't, um, it's that extra biblical text. That's what that stuff is. It's not inspired truth of God in our view, but the Catholics hold on to that view that it is. In 2 Maccabees 12, there's a statement that the dead might be freed from sin. And so that kind of supports their view of, well, if they're dead, there's got to be some freeing of sin. So therefore, you have the view of purgatory before entering heaven. Um, they use I think out of context a little bit, Matthew 12, it says you cannot be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. And they've used 1 Corinthians 3 uh, to quote that as one escaping through the flames. Those are kind of where they may plant their flag a little bit on, on this view. Uh, some would argue C.S. Lewis was a little bit friendly to this view. Which, so I will say this, <clears throat> again, if you read this book, um, one of my biggest objections to the whole case made for purgatory is you've got, you've got three authors that bring ape loads of scripture. In the, in the case for purgatory, he depends almost entirely on C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. And not all of it is even direct things from, it's like, well, C.S. Lewis kind of hinted, <laughs> that's not a real strong case that this dude, I mean, C.S. Lewis, brilliant. I, I love the works of C.S. Lewis, a uh, great apologist. I mean, he's somebody who was an atheist uh, and came into a, a relationship with Jesus. Fantastic guy, a lot of, lot of great stuff. Uh, but, but the works of C.S. Lewis are not inspired scripture uh, either. Um, 
Yeah, I think so, I think with this view, my struggle with this view is the idea that then Jesus wasn't enough. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus is enough, especially mm -hmm. from the satisfaction. Speak a little bit, though, into the sanctification piece, which for those of you that are not uh, familiar with Wesleyan theology. Right. And, and we'll, we'll try not to get ourselves in trouble here. Uh, I mean, but one of the one of the uh, elements of, of Wesleyan theology is the idea that uh, you can achieve entire sanctification of a sort here. Of a sort. There is a sort. <laughs> misnomer of what that is. <laughs> right. And, and the idea being that, right, Paul talks about how we're no longer slaves to sin. I mean, so part of this is that we don't have to sin. You don't have to pick up your crack pipe. You don't have to look at porn. You don't have and to. that is the doctrine of entire sanctification, is I don't have to. The problem where people miss skew the doctrine of entire sanctification means I will never sin. Right, or I've, that's I've the achieved like of that perfection. doctrine. It is the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I do not have to right. do that anymore type thing. And so the idea of sanctification is the pursuit, the action of declaring something holy. So if you will, every, I think every believer would be that we are, we are to live holy lives that represent Jesus here on earth. That is the sanctification process. I often view it this way, that our status as Christ followers is we are righteous. We are in right, when God looks at us, we are righteous. We are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. We are in right standing. That's our status, right standing with God. Our state as a follower of Christ our state is sanctification, that our, we are moving towards a holy lifestyle, a holy living type thing. Yeah, I, I think sanctification is that process of waking up to righteousness. Yeah. You know, righteousness is an eternal edict that God declares when we place our faith in Jesus. At the moment atonement. of salvation. At the moment of salvation, it is eternally. Sanctification is not eternal. It's actually a temporal process that we go through as followers of Christ in the 80 to 90 years that we have here on earth. There's no sanctification in heaven. We'll know as we're known. It is, it, it's a, sanctification is a journey yes. and a process yes. of thinking holy life, holy lifestyle, living a life that is God-honoring type thing. So with that in mind, though, so if you, so if you look at you know, somebody who would you know, espouse this idea of, of purgatory as the means to achieve final sanctification before entering into the, process, into the presence of God, right? If sanctification is a process, like when, when is that made final, right? If, if there's a, hey, to, to get in, you have to have an A plus, and I die and I'm only a B minus, like, like talk, talk us through that. Like, how do we get to the A, a plus level? Does that make, does that make sense? Because, you know, the purgatory view is saying, well, hey, you're a B minus. Uh, you got to hang out in purgatory until you're an A plus. What do you, I mean, take us, take us there. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm formulating and wrestling thought processes right now. So you may have to stall or someone else interject a, in well, this moment. Because here's the, here's the way, you know, that I've, I've always viewed it. No, no, no. no. no I was just going to say, but the, that thought process is I have to be an A plus to get to heaven. 
Well, I mean, again, and it, and it looks at again passages like that, you know, Habakkuk in one three, like God can't look on evil. Like there, there will be no, no, uh, you know, remnants or residue of of sin or evil in me, you know, when I come to the presence of God. JB, what you got? But that very thinking questions the efficacy of the blood of Christ. It questions the eternality of the sacrifice. Was it sufficient or wasn't it? This is the question we ask when we're talking about purgatory. Because purgatory is a direct questioning of the, of the efficacy of what took place, the finality of what took place at the cross. That's where the real doctrinal challenge is. Um, I imagine Jesus there when we enter into heaven saying, remember God, I paid for that. It's covered. I paid for that. It's covered. I paid for that. Remember, I paid for that. It's covered. Oh yeah, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. Where we don't have to sit in a purgatory place of that. Where Jesus intercedes. It's paid for. It's covered. Mm -hmm. I did it. Right. Mm -hmm. So through Jesus, at the moment of death, my sin has been, you know, the payment for sin has been satisfied. Takes care of the satisfaction need of purgatory. But also through Jesus, uh, at the moment of death, we also in a sense, achieve entire sanctification. Is that? No, you're, I don't know. No. Where are you going? You're I, smiling. I wouldn't agree with that either uh, because sanctification is, it's a time-based process, right? But, Justification but, but, but isn't. You would, but, you, but you would say then, like at the, at the moment of death, like you are entirely sanctified, like that your time is up. I guess. Unpack yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think so. I, I, I just, I kind of sit in the camp that sanctification is an earthly, while we're in sin skin still, uh, process. It's still a process of working out the holiness and righteousness that was purchased for us at the cross. So when you're not in and limited by sinful nature anymore, What's to be sanctified? What's right, because be this earthly body is broken and bent yes. for sin. Now that I don't have it anymore, what's the point? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not arguing that it is. It's a good question. I've always, I've always held to the view, I mean, that it is. Like, I, there's nothing further at the point of death required yeah. for me to enter into the presence of God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah. So, that would be, that would be purgatory. Um, anything else you want to say on on purgatory. No, nope, that was the, I mean, I don't want to say that was the fourth view of hell because it's, it's, it's not, not, but really. it's a, yeah. yeah, it's that weird. I, it, it's not, weird's not the right word I wanted to say there. Yeah, it's just, it's just that place. The belief of heaven and hell are real, but there's a stopping. There's a, there's a resting place both prior to heaven. Yeah. And, yep. and there are, as the author, as a Protestant believer, this is, this is a doctrine within Catholicism. Um, and as Josh has said, please email us more um, to help us understand greater if you hold on to that belief. Um, but that author in the book, as a, as a Protestant, was saying, I think we can blend. Right. Blend it. Even though I, w- I would say this from my perspective, my belief, I think purgatory has one of the least amount of scripture support for mm-hmm. it. And you've got you've to do a little bit of dancing with the scriptures that are used to, to really kind of make it fit a doctrine of purgatory. I think purga- the, the view of purgatory and universalism 
have the weakest arguments mm-hmm. in Scripture. Going back to our previous episode, I think the ECT, the eternal conscious torment, the literal view, as well as annihilationism has greater scripture evidence for it than the purgatory and universalism. Right, but even universalism has better support than purgatory. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, if, I mean, just, I, 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 okay, no, 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 I, let me, well, let me retract scripture that. Scripture, for our, I, I won't our say canon of scripture. Yes. Because again, we would view the Maccabees as extra biblical literature where, where other denominations um, would hold it as canon scripture, literally inspired by God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, um, there's a view, and this, I just had a, a high school student forward me a video they found on TikTok about some guy talking about how, which, TikTok, there's, you'll, you'll find this out, right? TikTok. I, I'm not on TikTok, so there's a lot I don't know about TikTok. So if this just sounds like I'm slamming TikTok, it's because I kind of am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, at least no, we're honest on no, this no, podcast. Here, here's the thing. So my understanding, right, is, is you do these 30-second videos, right? And like it's captured at 30 seconds, something like that. Um, it's really easy to spew a whole bunch of lies that sound good in 30 seconds. It takes a lot longer sometimes to unpack the truth. I watched like an hour and a half video of this guy debunking, uh, there, there's a, a, I'm not going to call him a pastor. Technically, I think he, he's a reverend, right? Um, and he goes on and he talks about, and not even making this up, he's got these like 30-second TikTok videos talking about how Jesus was racist, about how Jesus had to repent of his sin, about how Jesus was like harassing minority. Dude, I mean, you all can't see me roll my eyes. I'm basically falling over backwards. No, and, and, and here's, the, here's, so here's the danger, right? Like in 30 second clips, you say these things, and if people just like, oh, it's called clickbait. Here's a, here's like a, a reverend who says this. This must be legit. Hmm. Uh, no, no, it isn't. Yeah. So it's really easy to lie in 30 seconds. So, anyways, this high school student sends me this, this TikTok video of a guy saying, man, Christians all have it wrong. You don't die and go to heaven. You, you die, and they, they were promoting the soul sleep view, right? This idea that when you die, you go into some sort of spiritual sleep, and at some point in the history, you know, when Jesus, not in history, at some point in the future, you know, when Jesus comes back, you'll be resurrected. They use passages like, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. They, you know, they, this, I think this is the passage that this guy in this video used. Mm-hmm. So soul sleep, the idea that you don't immediately go to heaven. Uh, to be absent with the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And, and this is where like, they ignore scriptures like that. They ignore things like, and not that this is, he was trying to, create a, a doctrine of the afterlife. But I mean, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be in paradise. You're not, not like, hey, um, you're going to take a nap for a million years. You know, it's cool. And then uh, you'll, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be here with me. Um, just real, real briefly, if you want, just kind of address. I mean, JB said it the best. Um, but I, I will say this. I understand their wrestling of where they're at. As far as, well, the dead will rise first. Well, I already thought the dead was either in heaven or hell. Like, how, are the, how will the dead, when Christ comes back, how will the dead rise first if they're already in heaven or hell? So how does that scripture play into that? So I understand this 
um, this wrestling tension, but to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. You, and, so, and the thief on the cross, you said it like that. Today, you'll be with me in paradise today. The moment that you take your last breath. Hey, I'll see you in heaven. So how I'll, I'm curious. I mean, I know how I responded to this high school student. Uh, how would you guys respond to a passage like this? First Thessalonians four, you know, where it talks about the dead in Christ shall rise first. JB, you're nodding like you're ready to. You ready to go? You ready for what I'm going to say? I'm ready for what you're going to say. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer. That's really confusing because when you read that scripture, it really does sound like soul sleep. It totally does. I don't have an answer. All right, Ryan. That, I, it, I just spoke on that. It is confusing. I get where they're coming from. Yeah. It can be confusing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I was at our, our, our men's, I'm in a discipleship group with three other men, and we went through that letter and we had that discussion like, wait, what does this mean? Like, how, I understand the tension in wrestling. I understand. Okay. And I, I do appreciate the response. I don't know. I don't know. But let's further dive in. That's where it gets fun. I don't know, but let's dive in together. Okay. Well, and I don't, I don't know if I'm right or not, right? My, my response to the high school student was, you know, this, this passage is talking about the Lord is descending with a shout. This is like end times business right here, right? And we know that at some point we will all be given resurrected bodies. Right. So I, I view this passage as when it talks about the dead in Christ, you know, we talked about this in our heaven episode, I, I, I think, right? Like, like our physical body uh, is not in heaven. We know that there will come this new creation, the new heaven, the new earth. All of that. So when it talks about the dead in Christ rising first, I read that as the, those who have died, they're with Jesus. They get their resurrected body first, their mm. physical body. Because mm. then it talks about, you know, that those of us who are alive, now we're taken up. So I, I, I view it as, as that. Not, not that they're asleep, but that, I mean, they're with Jesus. They just have not been resurrected physically Yet. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm not saying you're right. I'm well, saying that, you're interesting. <laughs> I, I like it. So I, I don't. It, what, you, it makes sense. I like. I, I can. I mean, yeah. because again, it has it has hmm. end, it has end times. You know, context there. Right. Um, because Thessalonians. I mean, Paul is writing a lot of end times stuff to the church in Thessalonica. So I can see. Yeah, interesting. All right. Uh, that's that's soul sleep. Um, so yeah, we would say no. Like I mean, Scripture talks about you don't fall asleep. There you go. Yeah. So we would say that's a, yeah. not a great idea. Now, uh, this next one, we hit on a little bit in the last episode. Hold we on. Did. We actually have questions for this? Yeah. Didn't I send you these? No, not these. That's why I was well, like, that, that's why I was laughing before we got on. I was like, ah, oh, 20 minutes. We'll be done with this episode. I'm like, oh, well, we, I don't we'll have be, anything. We'll be, I we'll be close. Computer. We'll be close oh, okay. to 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. I mean, this one, it's, it's, I'm this, sorry. Is a, this is a <laughs> softball. This is a softball, right? You probably think every question is a softball. No, I, I really don't. This one I, 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 think, I think is a softball. Okay. Um, you know, we hit on this a little bit when we talked about universalism. But here's a bad idea about the afterlife is the idea that all roads lead to heaven or all roads lead to God. And here's, here's what blew me away. This blew me away. Uh, in 2014, which I know that was a few years ago, uh, Lifeway did a poll, they did a survey, right? And, and they found that 67% of Catholics... 55% of mainline Protestants, which would be like your United Methodist, you know, Baptist, Presbyterian, Wesleyan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we're actually considered mainline. I, I really? actually th think we are. 
Uh, see, I don't, I don't ever hear us in, in the uh, Interesting. main line. Well, we're a small denomination. Yeah. 19% um, of evangelical Christians and 47% of non-Christians believe that, quote, there are many ways to get to heaven, end quote. This is, again, 67% of Catholics, 55% of Protestants, 19% of evangelicals. 90%? 19 19% um, of evangelicals. And 47% of non-Christians believe there are many ways to get to heaven, which that blew me away. So what is more scary, that 40% of the non-believing, 47% of the non-believing world thinks there's ways to heaven outside of Jesus? Well, and or now, is it more scary that majority of followers of Christ that think is, there are more that is much scarier. ways? Because if go. I'm not a Christian... Let's say I'm a Muslim. Well, I mean, I'm clearly going to think that there's a way other than Jesus to get yeah. to heaven. It scares me that that is seeping into the church. But the percentage over half of mainline Protestants, the number of Catholics, again, and this is not like, we're not, this isn't like pick on Catholics episode. But I mean, 67%. That's a huge. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. That you stand on alone. That's foundation. Boom. That you stand on right yep. there. And, and Jesus is the, he's the breaking point. And I think we've talked about this before, right? You compare world religions, you compare, you know, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, um, you bring in some of the more, you know, the cult, you know, type things, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, like who they say Jesus is, what they do with Jesus. That's where, that's where you see uh, people break away. And how people get to heaven. Right. All, right. all other world religions, all of them, have some form of a works-based yes. uh, entrance in heaven. Every single solitary one except Christianity. Yep. We're the only faith-based um, group that also has a God that's for us and loves us. Mm -hmm. Gave himself. Gave himself for Didn't us. Didn't require me to give myself and to do something for him. He gave for me. How awesome. Very different. <laughs> I hope the audience just sits in that. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. So that's where, that's where and you, you have to be careful. You have to be careful with the language. Again, and I'll say, again, now, now I'll, I'll pick on, you know, Mormons a, a little bit here. Like, a lot of the same language. You, you talk, and you're like, oh, like, this sounds exactly like what they talk. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, well, uh, hey, okay, so earlier today, in like a pickup staff meeting, you talked about using the same words, but using the same dictionary. Talk about that briefly and put it yeah. in the context of this, if you can. Well, so especially through this past crazy year we've experienced, um, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, hanging around with a bunch of pastors this past week. And, uh, you know, it was this idea of we all have the same word, but we all are using different dictionaries for that word. And that's where the danger lies, is when I see, when I, we could all sit there and say, Jesus, we're all in the same word, Jesus, the name Jesus, but we all have a different dictionary defining who Jesus is. And the problem is we, we fall and rest upon, oh, but they use this, the word that I use, but they're using a different dictionary than one you would use. So you gotta sit there and say, hey, okay, Jesus, but define, what's your dictionary of Jesus? Because right. I have a different dictionary than your dictionary of the word Jesus. Is Jesus the physical, you know, incarnate God? Or as the Mormons would teach, God came down, had sex with Mary, 
bam, there's Jesus. You know, like brothers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's a whole lot different than what we would teach. Yeah. JB, you were I think that's like the whole of New Testament, first century Christianity. Let me think about the, the most of the New Testament. What did Jesus say? You've heard it said, but I say to you. Like he's bringing a new dictionary. He's mm -hmm. bringing, he's circling people back to the, the purity of what the commands were supposed to be. Yeah, you think it means good. this. And then you think about all of Paul's letters. What were they? They were all corrective. They were all saying, you've defined, used a dictionary to define God's ways this way. But this is really what God meant when he said to do this, this, and this. Yeah. It was bringing people back to common language, common practice. A dictionary. Yeah. That's where when people object and they get all mad, like, oh man, like I like Jesus. I just don't like all this doctrinal stuff. Like yeah. the majority of the New Testament was doctrine. Yes. Like, no, uh, here are bad beliefs. We need to, yeah. we need to center on what is good, true belief. Yeah. When people so. say, especially today, well, well, I'm spiritual. Well, I, 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 I'm spiritual too, but to find it. Yep. What's your dictionary spiritual? Well, I just, I'm one with nature. The trees are God. <laughs> Hold on, dude. I got a All different right, dictionary. I'm going to chop you down, Chuck, in I, my bonfire pit. Do one with a tree. <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> I will say this. If you chop down a tree, please plant a tree. Yeah. I am for that. Oh, look, the at, mandate look at you of, go. Be it's the mandate of taking care of creation. Chop yeah. one down, plant one. Or three. It's my green just thumb. plant three. There you go. I like that. I'm, I'm always for that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Great episode. So that, again, uh, the idea that all roads do not, in fact, lead to God. Uh, there is one road, one road only that leads to God. Amen. And that is through Jesus. So, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say on this, either of you guys? Oh, well, yeah, we, we wrapped it up. There's a, you know, a little shorty. Good. little. That's all right. Good. So, hey, uh, we've said it before, and, and, and it's kind of been a theme in this uh, series uh, I'll say it again, especially since we talk about this idea that there's only one way to God. There's only one way to eternal life, and that is through Jesus. If that is something that you are curious about, you have questions, or you want to know what it looks like for you to take those steps, we invite you to uh, email us, podcast at theradiantlife.church, or you can call or text me, 269-221-8643. Love to have a conversation with you about what that looks like for you to come to God through Jesus. And hey, we want to extend kind of a cool uh, challenge to you guys, right? Normally, we ask you to rate, review, share, subscribe, all those good things. Uh, for those of you that are, are viewing this on the video, or even if you're not, maybe you, you are on the audio version, all right, but, uh, and you've never watched the videos, we would love to encourage you, at the time of this recording, we're at like 417 subscribers on our which YouTube channel. Which is super cool. Which is That's awesome. a lot of people. Pre, I will say, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, we had like 50, yeah. 50 subscribers on our YouTube channel. We're at 417 subscribers right now on, on our YouTube channel. Uh, we, we would love, and, and this is just kind of cool to see, see things grow, right? Like, we would love to see 500 subscribers on our YouTube channel. So let's do it. If you haven't subscribed, uh, Go ahead and pop over to our YouTube channel. Just look us up, Radiant Life Church. Uh, you'll see our, our little blue logo with the little burst. Uh, and uh, yeah, go ahead and subscribe to that. But also we would love it if you would share this. If this is meaningful to you, share this on your social media. Uh, share it with your friends. Send them a link. Whatever it looks like for you to connect them with this content. Uh, we've got, I think, one more episode coming up in our Death and Dying series. And then we launch into... 
a whole other uh, animal of topics. Uh, so it'll be good. It'll be good. Ryan, anything you want to say in parting? <laughs> no, you're good. He's good. All right. Well, hey, thanks for hanging out with us. And we look forward to seeing you next time for Radiant Reflections. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.